This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. First, I'd like to thank one of our sponsors, Credit Intel. Knowing the financial health of retailers is crucial for the success of your retail-related business. That's what Credit Intel is for. Credit Intel analyzes the financial health of hundreds of publicly and privately held retailers in different sectors. With a subscription to Credit Intel, you have access to comprehensive analysis of retailers' financial condition and their expert analytics team. Visit creditintel.com for more information. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. I am excited today because I am joined by Mike Todrick. Mike is the CEO and founder of Armor Coffee in Allen, Texas. He is a DLC tenant. Excited for him to be here. Welcome to the show, Mike. Heck yeah. Thanks for having me on. Mike, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and your story? Yeah, so as Chris said, I'm Mike Todrick. I'm the owner, well, co-owner. My wife also owns uh, Armor Coffee with me here in Allen, Texas. Uh, we started this coffee business about a year and a half ago, actually almost two years ago now. Um, and it's been an incredible adventure. Obviously, 2020 created some interesting dynamics within the business, but uh, couldn't be happier with where we are, where the business is headed right now. Tell us, tell us a little bit about what did you do before Armor Coffee? Yeah, so before Armor Coffee, I was a uh, medical sales director for uh, Abbott, which is a large major medical device company. I spent 17 years in the medical device space post-military. Uh, I was an Armor officer, hence the name Armor Coffee. I'm not the most creative dude in the world, so I just kind of looked at my past and said, what I'm going to do, and, you know, stuck some things at the wall, and Armor Coffee landed, and, you know, we prayed a lot about the name, and things uh, as far as what it was, but it's a it's name that, that represents part of my past and sort of the trajectory of where we're headed in the future. And, you know, I always said there's a, there's a common bond in coffee. It's, it's, it's the first thing you do in the morning. Most people do is a ritual behind it. And, you know, it's kind of like armoring up in the morning. So we, we stuck with that name and armors, armors who we are, but that's been my trajectory. I'm a West Point graduate, I have an MBA from SMU, uh, and none of that is really relevant for what I'm doing now, except for just trying to trying to make uh, really good customer service and a great experience for our customers. And we've been very blessed with how how the business is is uh, is, is stuck within the community. That is really American dream story. There, very entrepreneurial. Great to hear. Let's let's move on. Let's let's get to know Mike a little bit more. So I got three questions for you, Mike. Are you ready? I as ready as I could be. All right. All right, just not that tough ones. Question one. <laughs> All right, let's but go. They're about you. They're about you. So that's good. But they're tough. <laughs> Great. I'm down. All right. Question one. What is one skill you don't possess but wish you did? Um, the ability to drive and do a podcast at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I'm doing right now. It's so <laughs> I'm so um, <laughs> outside of driving and podcasting <laughs> so outside of driving and podcasting one skill um gosh you know you could you could go into the this the strain of saying you know i wish i was a better professional athlete but that wasn't what god gifted me i'm not the tallest dude in the world and 
you know, I tried, tried my days at basketball and that stopped in fifth grade because I stopped growing basically. So no, but the, uh, probably skill that I, that I do wish I had was, um, the, the actual honestly ability to, to, to multitask a little bit better, um, with so many things that are juggling, it's, it's constantly feels like there are, there's certain balls that have to be dropped strategically. And, um, I do wish I just had ability to create more time and, you know, balance things a little bit more. And sometimes, you know, things that I, that I prioritize, which is my family and my faith, and obviously the business the apps on, on itself, it's just, there are a lot of things that ultimately have to get pushed aside. So, yeah, I, so I guess time management would probably be the best one. My wife has a tendency to say, I'm not the most, the, I have, I don't, I struggle with brevity a little bit. That's just the reality of how I talk. Um, but it is what it is. That's, that's, that's one of the things. So maybe I'm, a little bit of brevity, a little bit of time management, all those things. I'm, I'm going to give you a, an inspirational quote that it'll be a challenge for you on the time management piece. It's one of my, it's an old quote. It's one of my favorites though. You ready for it? Yes. Don't say you don't have enough time. You have exactly the same number of hours per day that were given to Helen Keller, Michelangelo, Mother Teresa, Leonardo da Vinci, Thomas Jefferson, and Albert Einstein. I love that quote. Well, dang, does that make me feel awful? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now my excuses are completely gone and eradicated. All right, let's get let's get. So that's what I try to tell myself because I often say the same. Man, I wish I had a couple more hours in the day, and I, I'm often reminded of that quote, which. It actually doesn't make me feel awful. It makes me feel like, all right, you can do this, right? Yeah. This is it's the same amount of hours that right? Albert Einstein had. My, you know, it's, it's it, you know, there's a lot of, there's, that actually is a lot of truism in that um, as far as where it is. But, you know, this being my, I guess, kind of third career in life, there's things that I've, I've had a earmark where I absolutely will not take away from the time and the, the opportunity I'm having with my family right now. And that is, I guess, from a standpoint of being third career, right? And um, those are, those are where it's like you earmark it and in the end you carve down and it's, it does carve down where, you know, those 40 or 30 hours that you can hardcore dedicate to, to work, it really becomes important that every hour that I'm using is, is productive. And, you know, I, there's, there's a, something that I always, talk to my my old team about is being busy doesn't mean you're being productive and just because you're filling a bunch of hours with things you're getting up at five or four in the morning that doesn't really matter that much and I guess that's maybe an unpopular opinion because I had, I had an old boss of mine who would always say like what's your 4 a.m and I'm like my 4 a.m is sleepy um, because I need to sleep at that point and it, and it doesn't mean you jam extra time in for unnecessary work so that's the thing is is where I look at it is what are you doing? Is it moving the needle towards where your goals are, whether it be your family, or whether it be the time in my faith, or whether it be the time in working on our bit, my business and our business together. And, you know, my wife has a whole other business and she's a designer and she's, you know, on, on TV and has production crews and things like that. It's, and so we juggle a lot of different things. And it's just trying to make the most of every moment you have. And, and then likewise, maybe for a moment for a little bit of sleep as well, which, right, which is, which is the, as a, as a dad and, and of three, it's it's that's the that's the big question mark is how to fit that in and be productive because I'm one of those people like I'm not I I'm not one of those people that can function well on five hours of sleep. I'm just not. Understood. You know, in time management, I, I always say the first thing to do when you're trying to, you know, improve your allocation of time, the first thing to do, the first step is eliminate what do you spend time on that you shouldn't be. So right. anyway. Yep, I agree with that. Question two. 
What is one thing most people agree with, but you do not? Huh, it's an interesting question. I don't necessarily equate financial gain to success. Um, to me, success is an aspect of pursuing a goal worthy of my time and worthy of my family's time. And so I think to me, there isn't an end state of being like, hey, he's flipped and turned this business for a huge profit or, hey, he's, you know, you, you, you've created X number of companies, you've done these exits or these acquisitions and, and look at the big house you live in, look at the money you've made. That to me isn't, isn't success at all. In fact, I think that's, that's an indicator of success, but success ultimately to me is, is that journey and that process to creating something sustainable that lasts beyond you and that has nothing to do with money. So I don't know if that's a unpopular thing, but I do think a common misperception or common perception in our country is that money means success. I, and I don't, I don't think that at all, actually. That's a great answer for that question. Okay, great answer. Number three, last one. When is the last time you tried something for the first time? Um, <laughs> being, <laughs> being in the retail business and coffee and and you know we're, we're trying to create some more laterals i am trying a whole lot of first within the coffee aspect so um probably yesterday one of my baristas made a crazy drink for me to try out and can't say i was super stoked with what it was um but we try and experiment a whole bunch of different things to try to, to create some relevance but that that's from a product standpoint um cool. you know and i do like you know i'm, I'm, a, I'm a craft beer guy to like trying new things and tasting new things like that but as far as for a new skill what's the last time i tried something new and gone out on a new adventure gosh man you know i guess i gotta challenge myself to be a little bit more i'll take the barista i'll take the barista made you a new drink answer that works okay cool i'll take that answer all right well thank you for playing we call that section clear the air okay let's get back on to the business side you're not in this business long you get the doors open and boom here comes a pandemic yeah that was fun <laughs> what was that like for you yeah that was um quite an experience to say the least you know we the, you know, there was some indication that things were going to shut down prior to the to the actual you know orders from the state to, to say hey you know no no indoor traffic at all um there were some things you know, we had a drive-through suite could keep some of the business over but you know over half our business was cafe driven so it was shocking and um concerning because we didn't you know it's one of those when you're on a new business and and the trajectory where things going where you go from doing relatively decent sales, knowing that you can cover your rent payments without any issue, cover your payroll, to having serious concerns of where is the business going to come from? And it was it was concerning, very concerning. And the fact that we have only one location, so there wasn't a model, there wasn't, we're not diversified on our business. Retail, we're driven through the brick and mortar. We didn't have our online platform up yet. We weren't set up for delivery services at that time. So it was, it was scary. It was, um, shocking but we persevered through the the time um you know a couple of things that were happening during the the initial shutdown we were scheduled for a remodel three weeks after the the order came down we, we said let's continue to do it anyway um and we you know we kept our our employees whole before the ppp loans were all approved uh it was something that i had a big heart for is is that there are a lot we have a lot of young people that are very dependent on the incomes they make at our shop and i didn't want them to be 
out on their own. You know, again, fortunately, the PPP loans came through and DLC did a did a proactive, you know, very good job of being proactive and helping us do some rent abatement for two months to be able to help us kick the can down the road. And that did help for those first two months because it was, you know, we had negative sales almost in, in, in March or actually April. And it was it was it was disconcerting. But through that, we learned a lot and we were able to actually improve our business quite a bit um, because of kind of that step back, relook at your business and create some improvements. So yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of other businesses out there that had similar experiences, but it was it was scary. Yeah. Yeah, we helped with that rent deferral. That's, you know, glad we were able to help in that scenario. I guess oh, yeah, you guys were awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. It, it, the, the proactiveness of it was was what was the best thing. It was, you know, when I was talking to our rep over there, you know, you know, I asked a question. She was like, hey, she was like, we're actually already on that. That's been something they approved. Here's your form. It was very easy. You guys, I mean, so I was very appreciative that it wasn't a huge process to get that done um, with you all. So thanks. Yeah, you're welcome, man. One of the things that went on in the business world last year was this huge cash preservation mode. And yeah. you went through the other direction, which is, you know yeah. what, I'm going to keep going on this remodel. Walk me through. I'm so glad I did. Process. Like the majority of the business world was like, we're not spending a dime. And you went in and said, I'm going to continue. Yeah. So during that, with the fact that the business was slow already, my mindset was we're either going to recover or we're not. And if we're not recovering, it's not just my business not recovering. It's a global, larger scale picture outside of just our business. So the way I looked at it was things will recover. They have to recover. And I have to have the mindset of recovery and be prepared for the the recovery and the movement back into the business. So it, I looked at it as, as opportunity. And likewise, you know, from some business expansions that we're working on, purchasing products and, and sending some contracts in for our coffee suppliers, I was very fortunate during that time to, to do some purchases that were pre-inflation, right? And um, it created a lot of, of, of positive opportunities for our, our business. You know, I put in our, we were doing our own internal coffee roasting now. Um, we, you know, purchased just about every new piece of equipment we could have. The construction costs were under that, you know, basically a year ago, you know, you know less 15% inflation at this point, almost, you know, at least with Dallas is experiencing. So it was, it was favorable for us. And, you know, I can't say it was, it was anything more than, than I, that, that, that put your head down and muscle through and realize that look at kind of the bigger picture. So that was where, where things were, but we did do a little bit, bit of pivoting for me. I was on a, a pretty, you know, heavy put, you know, uh, you know, put the gas pedal on pretty heavy to to expand the retail portion of our business off, uh, out. But because of that dependence on the retail, although we're in a, on a retail podcast, I pivoted on the plan to create more of an online, uh, extend your verticals and improve the business in your one shop before you start to step the gas on multiple locations. Uh, we're ready for expansion now, but it was it, it kind of allowed me to really look at our internal business and maximize the actual dollar per square foot, the revenue that's coming in on what's uh, what we actually had inside of our shop. And likewise, launch our online platform, which isn't quite ready, but it's very close. That's an entrepreneur right there, everybody. What a great lesson, right? It, it, I, I think it was simple. You had to make a decision. Will there be light at the end of the tunnel or not? And right. you decided that 
at least at some point in time there would be. And, and to that end, you need to keep moving forward. Well, yeah, live in fear or live in faith. And and despite the fact that there was so much fear and everyone, you know, rightfully so why, why everyone was fearful. There was so many unknowns. I just had to continue to step through and, and kind of, to me, it's a, it's a value point. It's like living through faith and living through the belief of that what you're doing is going to make a difference. Obviously, that's there's a lot more in business than just saying, okay, have, you know, do it and they will come. Um, but that was, that's just the mindset we, we have, you know, live in faith and continue to step through that you're making a difference. And, you know, the business model has to make sense, of course, but that was, that was our mindset. Yeah. And you presented to us before you took possession of space and we signed the lease, you presented to us, you mentioned the business model, a very comprehensive business plan. So you had your ducks in a row prior. So speaking of the business plan, and you did this remodel. Yes. How are sales going? You know, I think the world has context of what a, a Starbucks or a Dunkin' does in volume. You know, how are you doing in sales? And I'm very curious how much is now drive through versus cafe and online? Yeah, um, good question. Again, we have a an amazing customer set. I have an amazing group of employees uh, that are focused on customer service and you know, our business model isn't rocket science. It's treat people really well. So customer service is number one, have a good brand and a good place where people feel connected to. That's number two. And number three, have a product that people are, are happy to spend their money on. So value, right? Create value. And it's not just price, but it's something that, that the quality of the product, we really genuinely care about it. Um, so, you know, you have these three things in place and, you know, as far as for, you know, the market, it's that kind of elevation of a brand and the remodel and really people really take into it. So as far as for our, our sales, 20, uh, we, you know, we started the business in March, 2019. So I guess we have been open two years. Well, how time flies. Um, if you would annualize our business off for 2019 versus 2020, we actually outperformed in 2020 than not 2019, despite having two months of basically zero sales. So um, it was, Pretty awesome. 20, I mean, the back half Q4, it was a gas pedal. Um, uh, 2021, uh, we're going to exceed um, seven figures in sales this year. And that was my goal to be, you know, do $1 million in revenue. We'll exceed that. And that's, again, from a, a testament to, I, I look at it as a really testament to our employees, a testament to our customer base, a testament to the quality of what we're putting out there and that consistency. So, um, as far as for that, you know, we have major plans to continue to grow the business in multiple laterals. And um, as far as for the mix, the ratio um, during the pandemic, uh, I, you know, we were able to open our cafe up at 50%, but the drive-through ratio was about 80%, 80-20. Um, and before the pandemic, it was close to 50-50. Now the business is back to where the cafe is, is, is driving a lot of the sales because our food sales are up tremendously. We have higher food ticket items inside the cafe than through the drive-through. So um, the mix on that one, um, I haven't, I did actually, I actually haven't ran the number this quarter, um, but it was trending towards about 50-50 uh, again, really close to 50-50. So we see more customers in the drive-through, we have higher ticket items in the cafe, if that makes sense. Totally. That's excellent, man. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. I love the three pillar business strategy, which is treat people really well, have a brand people can connect to. And the yep. third was, I think, have a product that I forget the word you use, but have a product that people yep. love. 
yeah, a product that people are willing to pay for, right? So, it, so it's got it's it's high quality, high high quality product is really what it is. But it's not just having a high quality; it's having the right price point on that product, right? So it's that creating value in in the product offerings you have, and value is also a testament to the customer service aspect of it because. You know, there's one thing if you've gone to a coffee shop or to another retail location and, and you can, you know, people can talk incredible about how great the food is or the coffee is and the service is subpar, you're going to walk away unhappy. And it doesn't matter if it's a dollar coffee or a $10 coffee, it doesn't matter because that service aspect is always going to trump the quality of the product, in my opinion, not my opinion, in, my, in, in, what, I, in what I believe. And I always look through the lens of a customer I didn't come from coffee initially. I didn't come from the retail space. So I always try to look things from the lens of a customer. The customer journey is ultimately the absolute most important thing to me. And that's where it's it's creating a service environment and a hospitality environment, which is something I think you probably heard in the retail space a lot is creating that, that experience, creating that hospitality experience. And that's what ultimately we're really focused on. You know, coffee, I, I truly believe we have absolutely top tier coffee um the way we roast it the the selections of beans the origins we choose from we use high rated coffee we roast it with precision um and it's very consistent but the emotional connection you're you're we get at the retail location is just it's it creates a a bond with our with our shop and a lot of loyalty with our customer base and rightfully so we they deserve to have high end high quality service but that customer, that, but that product doesn't matter as much as, as the experience of the people. So we continue to do that. And, you know, with, with pricing, pricing is always a tricky thing um, in any retail business because, you know, you price it too high, people get upset, you price it too low, you, you, you know, basically undercut your own business. And so you have to have a, you know, the right match to what it is. And, you know, we're not, we're not the cheapest coffee shop in the world. And it's because we have high quality products, but that's, again, going back to that service aspect that people have, um, great service, then then hopefully they find value in what we provide. We have a scratch kitchen and a coffee shop who has that. You know, it's it's a it's you know I have two two chefs that work for me now. Um, you know, we have you know a, a whole back of the house team that we never initially intended on having when we started this coffee business, but it it's it makes sense. You know, people do go to large chain coffee shops and they have flash flash frozen food and they throw them in a microwave and you you eat it because it's just what the only thing you have. Um, I just I looked at a business and you know we had a, an epiphany. It was actually during COVID. I launched a beer and wine program as well to try to kind of start to ramp up the numbers and plan for the future. And we did a soft launch on it, and I was like, we don't really have good food to go with it. And then went back home that night. I was thinking, I was like, you know what? I don't even like my kids eating our food because it was we, our old our old food offering when I bought the business was was a lot of frozen food that you just reheat, and it's just not it's not product I was happy to serve my family. And so it was that sort of internal moral compass of saying, if I'm not happy with it, why would other people be happy with it? And why am I investing in a business that I'm not? That I'm not really proud of one market segment. I was, I was really proud of the coffee, but that food was just a gap. And and COVID created some opportunities. My chef that I hired, he's you know he's come from really high end restaurants, full service restaurants, and he took a furlough uh, for some personal reasons during right you know right when COVID started started and was was basically kept on furlough even though he was ready to come back. And it you know I put a little ad out there and you know crazy it was you know it's hard to 
to think you're going to get a high quality chef in a coffee shop, but that opportunity allowed us to be able to hire some really talented people on board and expand our business. You talked about growth. 2019, we had nine employees. We have 21 employees now. Um, so I'm super, super happy about that because That's it's terrific. creating jobs, and creating opportunities. But but that whole offering and whole product offering, I know I'm getting my ramble. That's just what I do. Um, but that is that's that's those three tiers drive us towards the future. And you know, and that fourth one, which any business owner should just treat your people right, pay them, pay them well if they if they earn it, and don't try to like you know, like. Managing the middle line is important for any business, but if you're doing it for the sake of small profitability to put something a little bit more in your pocket at the sake of other people, it's not, that's not well, long. I would actually put that, I don't know that it's four. I would put that in the, the first one because the way you said it, the three pillars of your the business strategy were treat people well. Yeah, all people. Have a brand that makes people sense, yeah. connect with and have a product and service that people, you know, crave the value and or have a product and service that people love and are willing to, yeah. you know, are find a real value. So that's right. I, I think Thank that's you. terrific. And the first piece was treat people well, not customers. So um, there you go. Hey, thank you for helping me define my tenants. That's awesome. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the next piece is the story. So why don't you tell us how Armor Coffee in Allen, Texas came to be and how you ended up where you did and tell us the story, Mike. Yeah. So I, made the mistake of getting my MBA, executive MBA in graduated in 2017. And the same mistake because it just hyper injected this idea that I wanted to, to be an entrepreneur, despite having um, a very successful career, very blessed career in the medical device space, post-military. It was, it was an itch that I just couldn't satiate, but I knew I wanted to create something. I knew we wanted to do something that you know, we had a long-term stake on the trajectory of, of the business. And like I said, like, you know, I talk about the medical device field. It was, again, I had a very blessed career, but I worked for a fortune one on our company and to make decisions if I, by the way, it was a phenomenal company that I worked for, but decisions are still slow. If you want to pivot on a marketing plan or pivot on a product or pivot on anything else, it was a lot of committees and a lot of discussions, and a lot of things to feel that you were getting anything to move. That's just the nature of the beast at any large corporation. And so for me, I really wanted to have an ability to make a, an immediate impact and a difference on the business. And it really came down to focusing on a community business that impacted where and where around we lived. Um, so with that being said, you know, kind of fast forward, I, I uh, a, another business plan that was more of a, co a co-working facility with a cafe component into it. Um, my operations partner, who was my brother at the time, had to pull out of the business. Um, he not had to. He, he got. He's an artist and got um, really high in commission pieces that he needed to focus on. So as I was looking at the business, if I didn't have my operations partner, what was the next phase of it? And the, the business, the former tenant over there, um, there they put their business up for sale, which was my local coffee shop. So the wheels started turning and saying, okay, well, why start from ground zero if I have a group of people who actually know the coffee component, coffee business, start from there because I'm not going from starting at zero. I'm starting kind of at, you know, hopefully close to the one or the operations side. Um, when I looked at the numbers and I looked at the business and I started digging into what that business was, although they had great customer service, there wasn't a lot of brand identity and I, and I believe that they could improve the quality of the product. So again, going back to what the tenants we talked about before, those were always important to what Armour was and our 
that's how the business came up where my local coffee shop came for sale. And I said, and I was actually sitting in the coffee shop when I got an email from a broker. And I was in, it was one of those ones where it was kind of a confidential email. I'm not going to tell you the business name, but it was, there's a business for sale in Collin County with a drive-through near an event center. And it's it exclusive, it drive, exclusive drive-through in the complex. That's this place. I'm sitting in this coffee shop. So the wheels started turning. I went to talk to my wife about it. Um, that Sunday, we went through the business, uh, through the drive-through and asked, I asked the, the uh, one of the baristas there if the owner was in and it turns out he was. So I dropped my family off, came back and we ended up talking for about two hours. And by the end of that, that conversation, we nearly had a handshake deal on what the transition would look like. Um, so again, fast forward, that was late 2018, fast forward 2019, the acquisition finally occurs. Um, and, you know, we put it out with the idea of just making our coffee shop better, but using the things that I've done in the past. Now, I was still working for Abbott at the time, um, and I wasn't quite sure how long I was going to be in the corporate field. It was, again, I, I, I felt that I could balance both. It became a lot more difficult once you once you realize, you know, kind of any business you're in, unless you're going to be it as a passive investor, it's a lot of time. And I was working 80, 90 hours a week and something had to give. And so we planned for 2020 to be my transition out of corporate America to move into uh, the, the full-time entrepreneurial side to to grow armor and to continue to you know create improvements on it and you know we couldn't have foreseen the pandemic occurring but it was a blessing they did because you know we did have we have, do have three children and my wife has a full-time job she you know has a show on HGTV and she was filming during this time and it allowed me to be able to actually pick up some of the slack for it so it was, it was a lucky timing I can't say you know again we didn't we weren't expecting the you know, the fact that I was going to be homeschooled dad at the same time, but that's what happened. But anyway, the brand armor. So what it represents and why the name, and I kind of touched on it earlier, but I was a former armor officer in the military. Um, the name does have, have meaning towards my past and also some of the importance to what the brand and what we hope to do for our community and our veteran community and our first responder community as large as well. I didn't want armor to be a cliche. I didn't want it to be a veteran owned coffee shop. I wanted us to be a craft quality cafe, craft coffee shop that focuses on customer service that happens to be owned by a family and a veteran. Um, so the name, if you look at the scripting of it, if you look at the, the rhino, nothing says army about it outside the name armor. And that is intentional because again, I didn't want us to be leveraging on my, just on the military aspect to get business because I believe we're more than that. Um, but we do have a tenant and one of the original tenants of the corporation that I had was 25% veteran employment. I've had to pivot on that because it's just the retail side and focus of it. But as we expand our business out into the commercial roasting operations, I'm going to put that back in. And I want to provide opportunities for veterans and second chance veterans and people that, that really can have, you know, need a, a group of people that understand the strengths and the weaknesses of, of our veteran community. So that's important to me. It's important to give back. It's important to create something of value. But, um, and again, the armor, and I talked about armoring up in the morning. It's sort of the, you know, the, the, the kichi cliche that I like to say is armor up. And I say it all the time, but that's, that's what you do in the morning. Get your coffee and armor up, get ready for the day. So connecting to that, connecting to the resilience that I believe, um, you know, any entrepreneur, any, any, most of the people you see working in the coffee shop, you know, I, my coffee shop is in its form, its own form of co-working facility where people work there, they study there, they meet there. 
you know, we're, they're, they're bonding. There's a lot of resilience that, that occurs through, through that connection. Um, and then there's that, that personal side. There's a, there's a, um, the, the, the faith side to me, there's a, there's a verse, Psalm 91, which is, which is known as the soldier's prayer. And there's an aspect to it. It's God's faithful promises are your armor and protection. And that's where I said, living in faith and not in fear. And, you know, it's about, it's about the, the his promise and our promises to the community that we're going to do this and we're going to do this the right way. So that's our armor. How serendipitous. <laughs> you were literally sitting in the coffee shop when you got the, yeah. when you got the email. There's a lot of, there's a lot of non-coincidences in, in this journey. And I'm, I'm very, very blessed. Just continue to go in faith. Very serendipitous. But it wasn't just a simple sale because the next piece of it was we got rid of the old lease and we created a new lease with you. Yes, we did. How was that process? Never doing that before working. You know, you probably rented apartments in your day, but going through a commercial yeah. lease. Yeah, we, we do some, you know, residential. We have we have our own properties on the re, as a, on the residential side. So that's one of the businesses that my wife and I do. It's, you know, it's on the on the but it's on the residential side so working with it you know it's understanding broker fees and understanding you know we did we did a non-broker deal which created a little bit more opportunity between you and i as far as for where the reinjection of revenue would be um but i was looking for a small amount of ti to create some some improvements and um and i was appreciative you know the way that you personally you the way you communicated that injection and what that meant for the, the development and what that was so it you know created a, i guess a commonality and a you know and a bit of understanding so that transparency you guys gave me did help quite a bit um and i don't know you know we are working with other developers as well for our second and third location and it's not i can't say there's as much transparency between everyone because it's this when i've had one one of the developers said you know frankly we're not in this for the long run we want to flip this property pretty quickly so if, if it's between you and starbucks we're picking starbucks because of their credit, national credit rating and that's that was a quote from them and i was like great so you don't care about the community you care about the return on the investment for it and as a business you i do appreciate that um i, I don't you know you guys seem to be continuing to invest back into our community and, and whatnot here so that's been a value of it now as far as the the you know the the redoing the lease, um, yeah, it was a process. It, it's all new for me. I'm, you know, it's everything, everything that I'm, I'm doing in this. It's, 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 you know, asking questions to a lot of different people of a lot more knowledge than me. And yeah, so it was, it was all a new experience for me. And I do appreciate the transparency that you gave me. It allowed us to be able to create, I think, a, a mutual gain relationship where you um, were able to get a slight rent increase, but at the same time, I was able to get um, the. The rates I knew that were locked in for the next five years, as opposed to one year, and then you know tripping through the market and seeing what was happening. So there was a, it created a more stability for me, but also I think it was probably a good game for you and the trust that you guys gave me as a new operator as well was very much appreciated. Yeah, man. Well, what a great story. Happy to have you. Glad you're doing well. And I have a surprise for you, which is I'm going to be in Dallas Tuesday and Wednesday. So right on. So I will get to connect with you in person. I will make sure we yeah, uh, man. connect. Um, last three questions. Are you ready? Yes. I'm not sure you hear a baby crying in the background. That's our life, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I have a eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a two-year-old. So I, 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 I get the, uh, I understand what all the joys and, and complications right. of working from home. Here are the last three questions. Question one. Yeah. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Oh, Toys R Us. I mean, it used to be in our complex here. It stinks. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, but they're, you know, yeah, to me, it's that nostalgic aspect of things, right? You know, as a kid going and, and, you know, you saved up your money for your birthday and you're going to go buy your one toy and you're walking to the million aisles and we're going over to the video game section and, you know, testing out the games there's, you know, is your mom's going to let you to leave, but that it's that nostalgic aspect of, of things to me. It's, you know, and I'm old enough. I don't, you know, you probably be a little bit younger than me, but like Sears used to have that old game. There used to be this, like, they used to have Nintendo set up or Genesis set up and you could sit and play while your mom went shopping and, you know, what, you know, that was, I guess the eighties where your parents would just leave you when you're eight years old and, you know, a little bit different now, but yeah, it's yeah. But toys are us. That's the one that needs to come back. What is the last item over $20 you purchased in a store? Um, diapers. <laughs> what store? I was, I ran by CBS right by our house. I had to grab a, I ever got a pack of diapers for a two-year-old. Yeah. I've been there. The diapers <laughs> that's are my the convenience of it. House. You know, yeah. And that's, and it's, you know, as far as we're like the retail side, um, you know, I, we still go to Target. We still go to Whole Foods. We still go to CVS. Um, I would say vast majority of our clothing shopping and things like that is all online though. I mean, it's, it has pivoted significantly. Last question. You and I went shopping at Target and I lost you. What aisle would I find you in? Oh, um, most likely, and it's going to sound really weird, probably in the candle section. I know it's super weird, but I, I can spend like a half an hour just going and smelling every single candle. There's something about that olfactory aspect of it. I got to love the candle section. I love it. Well, listen, Mike, I got to run. Let me see what's going on here. And, <laughs> here uh, we'll have to get a, a video of you and me next week. So um, good, while man. I'm in town, sound good, man? Rock and roll. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.